So this morning, um, I want to continue with my with the, with the series of what I feel God is calling us to as a people, and is never losing the wonder of the local church. Ora, so good om jou te sien. Yes, like that is uh, so nice. Eh? Welcome back. Eh? And uh, we never want to get, um, we never want to lose the wonder of the local church. And I've been preaching around this, and you know, you know what the thing is with preachers? There are people that need to be here today, and they're not here. <laughs> so now the thing is, I'm probably going to have to preach this next week, and the week thereafter, and the week thereafter, because then I know that we've got hold of everybody, all right? But anyway, you are here, well done, you faithful servants, faithful saints, and um, I'm really hoping that you're going to be encouraged this morning. And so I'm going to hit some truths here this morning. In a sense, I'm wondering... If the Lord is, is going to be encouraging us, but I also wonder if there's correction coming for us, some of us. And I want you to please hear, I don't use the pulpit to have a dig at people. Because when I listen to myself preaching, I'm preaching to myself as well. So when I prepare a message, I'm preparing it and saying, God, what are you saying to me? All right? And, um, and then collectively, hopefully, we will all be encouraged. So I want to launch out... Never lose the wonder of the local church. You know, for many of us sitting here, you have at some point made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Your sins are forgiven. Can I get an amen? amen. Do you believe that you are forgiven? Amen. All right. And you have been set free. Come on. Huh? There we go. I like that. Come on. We've been set free. Okay. And then God puts us into a body called the local church. All right, there we go. And I want to say to you this morning, the church is not an attachment to your life. It's not something that you do over and above everything else that you do. It is your life. Okay? And so for me, this becomes an important part of this message because if we understand the calling of God on our lives and what He is expecting of us, then we need to realize that when God calls us and He puts us into a local church, we live surrendered lives to Him. And actually, being part of the local church means that I actually position myself to serve the purposes of God. And, and my life is now no longer about me building my career and my future. I want you to hear what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. Rian hit that very nicely for us last week. You know, we are built or brought up in a culture where you've got to um, go and pursue your career, chase the rand, chase the dollar, build your business, whatever the story might be. Jesus breaks into your life, and then you still want to carry on chasing your dreams, and then you sort of wonder why you're wrestling with God. And I want to say to you that, that God wants to use everything that you're giving yourself to. He wants you to bring it to a place and say, Jesus... I surrender it at your feet. I'm here to serve your purposes. I want to, uh, my, my, my priorities have changed. Lord, I want to serve you. Matthew 6 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. When we surrender our lives and we turn it and we submit it to Jesus, that's when we show that we truly love him because we're walking in obedience. All right? And that's important for us as a congregation. And, and he's not saying don't do well in your work environment. He's not saying don't serve with excellence and do your work with excellence. But do it because it's a means that God will financially 
bless you. But then at the same time, that blessing that comes to you is now, Lord, I'm transferring that blessing so that the kingdom of God can advance in and through me as an individual, but also being part of the corporate body so that the kingdom of God can advance here. And so that means we position ourselves for regular worship. It means that we dwell amongst God's people, spending time with Him. And one of our core values that you'll see in Acts 2, verses 42 to 47, it says they devoted themselves to the apostolic teaching. Andre spoke about the 29th of July coming up. We have got a meeting at, at Paro with the, at the Lighthouse. Ryan Kingsley, an apostolic figurehead that we believe for the greater story, is going to be ministering there. I want to say to you, it's a red flag meeting. Please be there. This is what Scripture teaches us. Oh, but the rugby's on. Well, I want to tell you something. In Jesus, you will always have victory. I will prove it. Go back to yesterday morning. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know, for me, I, I, I want to say to you, give yourself to the things of God. We saw that wonderful word brought by Robert about, you know, as you give yourself to the things of God, God says, I will bless you. It might not be monetary blessings. I believe God will bless us financially, but God could bless you in other ways with friendships and, and many other things that he could do. So we need to see the blessings every day. So we come back seeking first his kingdom. We come back living the core values of what we see uh, loving God, loving His people, and then very, very importantly being reminded that God places us into a local church. That's how He chooses for us to advance the kingdom. You cannot operate outside of the local church. It's in the, and through the local church. So, being in the real estate game, uh, which I used to be in, <laughs> my wife is in there still, hanging, hanging there, we get the privilege of seeing many homes. And uh, now recently, and, and this is a very live situation, because my wife was involved with the sale of a property. When you came up to the property and you looked at it, it was like, this property's got some issues here. And the thing is, if you went into it, it looked even worse. All right? But the property got sold. And what has happened is the new owner has refurbished this property. That I, I want to tell you something, that when you walk into this property, you will be blown away by the creativity of what people can do. Now, as a real estate agent, and, and a good agent, generally what they would do is, you would have a home that doesn't look great from the, from the outside. Some homes don't look great from the outside, but on the inside, there's a lot of refurbishment that has taken place. And what happens is, they will place an ad that will basically say something along these lines. It will go, uh, I'm gorgeous inside. <laughs> But from the outside, you're going, I don't know. This doesn't look so cool. So the thing about a sign like that, it tweaks your feathers, doesn't it? Because you're looking at this and you're going, this doesn't look so cool outside. But it says on the ad, I'm gorgeous inside. So what happens is, ooh, let me go and have a look. And the most amazing thing is that when you, when you look at the church, Sometimes from the outside, the church doesn't look that great. But if I said to you, she's gorgeous on the inside, what would it do for you? And, and you might be saying, Ants, where are you going with this? Well, I want to tell you something this morning. You know, um, if we look at the local church, it's a little bit like this house. The local church is the house of God, and she is unremarkable. Let me show you what it looks like. 
is a regular gathering of ordinary people committed to a largely invisible mission. We are young and old, fat and thin, round, I'm not going to say square, <laughs> all right, <laughs> male and female, single, married, divorced, on the way to being married, just recently got married. We have sick. We have the potential of folk that are terminally ill. That's what a local church could look like. You have people that could be terminally ill. We have, we have um, some hectic stuff happening in our midst. People have gone through incredible stuff. And so when you look at this, you go, wow. From the outside, the church doesn't look great. But on the inside, we've got all of this stuff that's happening. And then we see the transforming power of the gospel moving across people's lives, touching them and changing them. You know, it's also interesting, inside the local church, can you believe it, that you'll have people singing off-key and off-beat? I want to I wanna honor my wife today, and, and she knows because I can pull her leg on this one. But I always, when I stand next to Lee, I say to him, honey, the Lord will always love your praise and worship. My wife has got a rhythm and a beat that, that I can never, I used to play drums, I can't even get that off-rhythm beat. But she's very skilled, and that means that the Lord is very pleased with that. And then to top it all off, can you believe it? We saw my guy after a meeting, and we have average coffee and average tea. And this is what the church looks like. And I'm saying average, because by the way, for those of you who didn't know, we actually have, what's that coffee called? Filter coffee. Thank you, sweetheart. We want to remind you there's filter coffee. And there's hot chocolate. I just want you to know, sweetie, I apologize for publicly making a statement about your offbeat. Please forgive me. <laughs> I'm just glad she didn't say to me, today you're going to meet Jesus. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, Inside the local church, it's, it's like, if you look at the people that are here, we're, we're licorice all sorts. People of different cultures, different races, and, and we're a church that is for all nations. That's the heart of God. And so, this beautiful statement, it says, but the church has more beauty and more value than we can see with the physical eyes. Just look around you for a minute. Look around you. Look at the people here. This is the most incredibly powerful picture this morning. Some of us, you look at a guy like me, I'm not much to look at, honestly. You know what? But, but I'll tell you what is very powerful is when you look at God touching a person's heart and starting to change them and transform them. And so what happens is we become the beauty and the aroma of Christ. So, I want to touch on four points this, this morning around never losing the wonder of Christ. But I want, to, I want to go to an individual that many of us will know about. His name is Paul. 
And I want to talk about Paul, and I want to just use a little bit of his life's example, which can maybe encourage some of us here this morning, because we often look at um, other people's lives and think that things are going really cool with them. And, and I want to just use his life as an example of what ugliness looked like on the outside, and then how he became something of beauty on the inside, because the church actually is you and I. We're known as the Ecclesia, the called out ones. So Paul... Quick brief history on him is a favorite song that came to my mind when I thought of um, sharing on Paul. It says, I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden. Do you remember that song? Well, I want to tell you something. This is what came to mind when I thought of Paul's Christian journey. He was a man who grew up with a religious mindset. And instead of loving the church, he ended up ended up working against it. Philippians 3 verses 5 to 6, I haven't given that scripture at the back, but for those of you making notes, it says, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Here was a man who was intent on absolutely uh, taking the church out. He hated the church. And he celebrated the first martyr, a guy called Stephen. He got stoned, not on marijuana, with rocks. Okay? And, uh, and, and he made it his business to wreck the church. That's what he did. But then Jesus breaks into his life. And his whole world gets turned upside down. His life is radically changed. The same zeal and the passion that he had... Sir, ma'am, the same zeal and passion that you have to build your business and to build your, your, your life in your marriage and your family and that which you give yourself to. If Jesus can break into Paul's life and change him the way that he did, imagine him taking you and using the zeal and the same passion that you've got to serve the purposes of God. Imagine what God can do in and through you and what the kingdom of God would look like. Man, I'll tell you something. We would become like a combine harvester. We would just be devouring the fields because the Bible does teach us that the workers are few. The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Imagine what God can do through you and I if we took that same zeal and passion that happened with Paul and served the purposes of God. And so, with that though, and here's the clangor. When you become a Christian, I want to say to you, I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden. Because Paul, when God broke into his life, Ananias was told to go and pray for him so that the scales could fall off his eyes. And then he said, I want you to tell him how much he's going to be suffering for me because he's an instrument that I'm going to be using and he's going to suffer for me. So I want to say to you this morning, if you have come into a relationship with Jesus and you suddenly have found like the gates of hell have broken against you, you probably have done the right thing. Okay, and so with that, Paul demonstrates something for us. And I'm going to get to my four points shortly. He gets saved. And then imagine having to think, well, okay, Lord, you've touched my life. Now I've got to go through some kind of suffering. One would have thought Paul would be singing, Kumbaya, my Lord. You know, he would have, he would have had a life of sheer bliss. But alas, God had other plans. All right? And so as a Paul... As, Paul, as a new believer, found that the local church, 
even at that time, people became skeptical of him. Why? Because he was persecuting the church. How many of us, if you look at your lives, what you've gone through, and people might be sitting here and know you, and people go, hmm, gee, look at Ian. He, he made a commitment to God. Jeez, do you know how bad he is? Check ants. That oak standing in front. He's a hooligan. <laughs> huh? and, and, and Paul, was the, the church was skeptical of him. And, 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 and even people in the life of the church were giving him a hard time. And so um, he ended up suffering personal attacks by false teachers and their disciples. Um, in, 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 in 2 Corinthians 10.10 it says, For some say his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he is unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. He had disagreements with, with other Christians and was let down by Christians. And he had hardships. I want to show you the hardships. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians um, chapter 11, verses 20, uh, chapter 11, verses uh, 22 to 30. What anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? Why? Because those who follow Christ become Abraham's descendants, says, so am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. At 40, you were probably dying, if not dead. Three times I was beaten with the rods. Once I was stoned, not on marijuana, with rocks. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent night and day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in dangers from bandits, in dangers from my own countrymen, in dangers from de uh, Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin? And I do not inwardly burn. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show me my weakness. Now this morning, I want to ask you, how many of you got a CV like this? And the most beautiful thing about what Paul does here and what he demonstrates is that despite the hardships, Paul remains faithful and he has a deep love and a deep concern for the local church. And, and I want to really implore us this morning, consider what Jesus did for you and I, the price that he paid. And, and actually, that when we face hardships, because every one of you is on a different journey with God, when you face hardships, don't bail. Don't bail. Stick it out. Paul had a deep, deep love and a deep concern for the local church. And so with this, as Jesus has broken into your life, realize your need for him. And he will change the trajectory of your life. And so he starts to work on you. You know, Jesus doesn't bring you into a place where he says, okay, well, now, you know what? Gwen, you are saved. And that's it. Boom. Done. No, no. He starts to work on you. He starts to work on your character. He starts to work on your nature. And so he starts to bring about change. You know what the saddest part for me? 
is that I think sometimes when, when people come to Christ, we have this mindset of come to Jesus and all will be well. I think there's a part of it that is right. But I want to say to you that there's a big part that when you come to Jesus, he's going to start unlearning, undoing things, rebuilding and relearning things in us so that we can move forward in the things of him. The problem that happens with many of us is we get off the operating table before the work is done. People get offended. People get hurt. Oh, God didn't come through for me in my business. The money that was supposed to happen didn't happen. This God thing doesn't work. Can I tell you something today? I've had more reason to run away from the church and to run away from the things of God than many of you here today. But Paul has demonstrated something for us. You stay the course. Can I ask you, if Jesus didn't heal one of your, your family members, if Jesus didn't rescue your business, if Jesus didn't come through for you on an area that you were hoping for, would you still love him? I want to share a story with you about a young lady about a month ago, you remember I spoke about a lady called Abner who had cancer. She was one of the staff members of one of our folk. And we went to go and pray with her, and she gave her life to the Lord. A month later, she died. The weekend that myself and Lee were away, um, I went the morning. They phoned me just as we were about to leave. They phoned and asked, could we just go and pray with her and met some of the family members. We prayed with them, encouraged them. The Thursday, I did the funeral. At that funeral... I preached for salvation. I got one hand raised up for salvation, another one raised for recommitment. The reason why I'm telling you that, because I said to Adna when I prayed with her, I said, Adna, I believe God can heal you. I don't know if he will. I don't know. But what I do know is this. If you make a commitment to follow Jesus, what I can promise you is this, because this is what Scripture teaches me, that if God calls you home, he will heal you because where you're going, there will be no more suffering, no more crying. In fact, all you're going to be doing is worshiping Jesus. That's the hope that you give someone like that. Now, let me tell you the other good news. And this is what I'm trusting for out of it. Because that afternoon, I received a phone call from somebody that was at that particular meeting. And I have the possibility and the potential to be meeting up with an old school friend when I was at Fairmont High who has been diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. And the family member and friend said, please, what you did with Anna, would you please come and do with this guy? And when I heard who the name of the guy was, I said, ah, but I know this individual. And, and I would love to do that. So I'm hoping for that open door this coming week. The point is this, you've got to stay the course. When I meet with that guy, I don't know if he's going to accept Jesus, because I don't know much of his journey. But what I do know is this, I will be faithful, and I will bring something to him, and I hopefully can give him hope. All right? In life, you're going to face hardships. And sometimes we want to sort of escape those things, and it might also be God wanting to do something deep in your heart and your life. He is not going to leave you as you are. Don't despise even the trials that you're facing. The, the Bible says, count it a pure joy. Would you rather have a life of ease and comfort and not have any changes in your life? Or would you count it a pure joy and say, Lord, thank you that you allow me to go through these things and that I can do it with you and that you haven't passed me by? You see, we're preaching a Christianity of comfort we're preaching a, a Christianity that has a consumer mentality. 
And we need to change that. Because at the end of the day, I want every single man and every woman and every young person here and every family here, I want us to be in a space that we, together, will run across a line and we're going to hear the voice of the Father saying, well done, Andre. Well done, Jenny, my good and faithful servant. Aziz, well done, my good and faithful servant. Don't you want to hear that? Then I want you to grab a hold of these four things that I'm going to touch on. So the four things that I think God wants us to deal with today is speak the truth in love with one another. Romans 12, verses 10. It says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. I'm going to say to you this morning, being part of the local church and what God brings you into, sometimes from the outside it doesn't look great, but when we are on the inside, I'm going to say to you that in this context, you will face some challenges with one another. We are going to find ourselves in a scenario where people will get offended. People will complain. People will run others down. People will gossip and slander and even distance themselves and say, oh, well, I'm not going to hang with him. You know, and that's what we will do. And, and, and the Bible teaches you and I that we actually need to outdo one another, showing honor and love. Showing honor and love. Also, the Bible teaches, you go and read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says that, that love believes the best of one another. L love also means that we bring the best out of one another. Don't get jealous because Roger's com group seems to be thriving and the numbers are kicking in there and you're battling your twos and your threes. Can we prefer one another and honor one another in this journey? I mean, for me, I look at it and I, and I can literally go across this room and I can tell some of you how amazingly I've seen God work in and through your lives. You need to honor one another. Kevin, Kerry, I feel like you guys coming across from Edge Me to us. I, 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 I had you much in my heart. I feel like God, is, you know, I, I don't know if you know baseball or if you've even played baseball. Or, I, don't, I don't know. But I feel like God's calling the two of you. And, and I feel like the Lord's saying, I need you to step up to the plate. And it doesn't matter if you don't hit the ball and contact it. The point is he's saying, I want you to step up to the plate, and I want you to have a go. God brings you into a, into a space where he wants you to be purposeful, and, and he wants you to contribute with your life. And that's what will give us significance and purpose. Here's a good couple. I feel like the Lord has said something in my heart and my mind. You're a good couple, and God has got more for you. And it's, 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 it's almost like I see this train where um, in the UK, they've got this little chukka train. It's a little steam engine. And, and it's got these little carriages. And, you, and, and we've actually been on this thing. And you go through the countryside. But you get to a certain point, And then they've got to turn that train around. And they dehatch the steam engine. And they've got it on this, on this big wheel that turns it around to connect back onto, onto the coaches. And then pushes it back that way. And I feel like for you too, I feel like that's what the Lord is doing with the two of you now. It actually brought you to that place. There's a bit of a, a, a changing of, of God, changing of the tide, and he's turning things. And he's going to slot you in, and then you're going to power on in the things of God. We need to be open for those things. Speak the truth to one another. Friends, if you see anybody running anybody down in the local church, 
Don't go, oh, yeah, no, jeez, I didn't know that was about so-and-so. Hey, man, Gunter, that thing that you've said, have you actually told that person the situation? And if not, please, I want to ask you three days to go and speak to that person, go and sort it out. If you don't, I'll call the meeting with you guys, and then I'll make sure that you do tell them, because I wouldn't want them to miss out on this. (laughs) I promise you, if you're gossiping and slandering, you won't do it again. Because that type of stuff dishonors the Lord. We need to build one another up. Would you agree with me? We live in a very negative world. Eh? I, I don't know about you, but I, I want to rather be built up by people that I believe God has added around me and trust those people. Amen? All right. Beautiful. Number two, show up. Say show up. No, no, come on. Say show up. All right. Great. It can change your life and others. Hebrews 10, verses 24 to 25. Danke, Elmar. Yeah, it's a machine daachter. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more you see the day approaching. So what are we looking at here? Paul was in jail often when he wrote his letters. And Paul had an absolutely fantastic reason why he couldn't be at a Sunday meeting. He had an absolutely perfectly legitimate reason why he couldn't go to com groups. He had an absolutely perfectly legitimate reason why he couldn't go to a gathering at the Paro Lighthouse because for goodness sake he was in jail. All right? And I'm going to be strong on this because remember I said to you, the church is not an attachment to you, it's your life. We've got to understand, we don't have rights anymore. We die to ourselves. We position ourselves for the things of God because we want to be under His hand. That doesn't mean you can't go away for a weekend. We've got folk that are away for a weekend. My concern is the folk that are going away for three, four weeks in a row, I've got to ask the question, did you even miss being with God's people? Maybe this is a little bit of a, get a little bit of a health check on your own life. Do you miss God's people? Because you know what? The buses in London, who likes, who's ridden on the red buses in London? There we go, one there, a few there, there we go. Have you noticed there's a bus conductor, a bus driver, and he goes from one end of the town right through to the other. But what is quite interesting about these red buses, there are different stops. People get on, people get off, but the bus driver keeps going. The kingdom of God, friends, keeps going. The kingdom of God is advancing. And forceful men lay hold of it. Lord, I don't want to get off. I want to be on this bus. I want to stay with you, God. I want to stay with your people because I want my life to count until you call me home. All right? That's where we need to be going. And that's what we need to be trusting God for. So it is important that we understand the need for us being together. And, uh, you know, it says um, seven times at least in the New Testament, it says how Paul longed to be with the church face to face. And so um, the encouragement here for us is let's be face-to-face, nose-to-nose, smile-to-smile. There are churches in our area, I won't say anything more than that, other than the fact is that some churches have their Sunday meetings with a big screen and people are sitting elsewhere and that's how they do church. One of the things I've appreciated what Andrew has done with us, even after COVID, he said, you know what, there comes a point where we need to come back to what Scripture teaches us and the need for us to hang together as saints. Okay, and that's important. Listen to what 1 Thessalonians 2 verses 8 says. 
We loved you so much that we delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. That should be our heart, that we should want to hang together, because, because you actually love and appreciate the people around you. The mark of a true Christian is one who loves God and who loves God's people. And I want to say to you, it may not be easy all the time to be here on a regular basis. If you've got work commitments and, and you are on shifts, we understand that. But as best as you can, you make the adjustments to say, God, it's important for me to be with you and your people. And, you know, it's very interestingly that uh, it's, uh, coming to our meetings are important. It's, it's just as important as you having your meals. You don't remember what you ate last week Tuesday if I had to ask you right now. You don't know what you ate last week Tuesday. Maybe unless it was your birthday, you would catch me out. But I can tell you two weeks prior to that, you didn't know what you ate. But one thing I can assure you of that you would agree with me, that if you didn't have regular meals, you probably would be starving and you wouldn't be sitting here. All right. Our food is important for us. Our coming together is important for us. All right. And so... The enemy looks to isolate us. And so his heart is to, oh, don't worry, they won't miss you today. And we get into this rut. Let me tell you how Satan works. He works like the, the lions operate in, in the Kruger Park. What do they do? They don't go running into a herd of buffalo. They look for the one that's on the side. And they single that one out. And that's how Satan works. When you isolate yourself, he will take you down. All right. Can I get an amen? Because everybody's very quiet. All right. So, what's important is showing up will result in your growth, will result in your transformation, and God can use you to change others, encourage others, and through this, He builds His kingdom. I don't know how many of you could say that today, but I know how many of you have encouraged me by some of the things you've said, but even by you just being here, you're propping, you're propping us up. And we're propping others up. That's just how God's kingdom works. And you could say something that could change someone else's life. Do you know that sitting here this morning, somebody might be looking at you and going, sure. You know what? When I see that person, I just feel like they really love God. And that just encourages me and inspires me. That's, that's how it works. You could be propping someone up this morning. As I start to land with my, 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 my points... I think there's a couple of things that I'd, I'd, I'd want to ask us here this morning. Uh, people can see that you're committed to the things of God when you give yourself to, to, to the local church. They, when they see you, they see this is important to you. And so um, the third thing that I want you to look at is invest your life. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 15 verses 10, it says, By the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace... To me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. And I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 3 verses 10. It says, by the grace of God given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. You know, Paul loved the church. He loved it with, with words. He loved it with his affection. And then he loved it with his actions. Can we say words? Affection action okay and i want to say to you this morning church life is not about what you can come and get which is what was mentioned earlier on it is what can i bring who are you bringing it to you're not serving me you're serving with me you're serving with andre you're serving with gunter and our wives 
We're serving together because ultimately we're serving God. We're serving together because we're following the, mi- the mission and the vision that was given to Andrew to see the kingdom of God advance. And I want to say to you, we are not called to be spectators. We are called to be participators. And we need to action things and work together for the good and the, and the glory and the honor of the Lord. So don't come with a mindset of what can I get. Come with a mindset, what can I give? What can I bring? How can I serve? What do I need to do, God, to make my life count here? And don't find your value in what you think you can bring. Find your value in Jesus. Amen. All right. You can serve. You can get involved with sound. You can get involved with worship. There are processes that we go through where there are public ministries, but there are children's church. There's getting involved in the comm group, pitching up to serve and to help break down, set up, all those kind of things. We speak about tithes and offerings. Giving financially is not because we're chasing your money. We don't need your money. We need your heart. But if you understand the gospel, the gospel does need to advance, so it requires finances, just like your household needs finances to operate. And so our heart gets moved by God to say, I want to serve the purposes of God. So, yeah, Lord, have all of me. You know, when you get water baptized, I think you should be water baptized with your wallet, with your cell phone, with your car keys. And, 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 and maybe if you've got a mountain bike, motorbike, yacht, all of that stuff should get water baptized with you. Why? Because, Lord, this stuff no longer belongs to me. This is for your purpose and your glory. And if some of those things are taking you away from the things of God, get rid of it. Listen to me. Get rid of it. Let's make the adjustments and let's serve the purposes of God. All right. And then as I wind down with investing your life, you know, you know how God works sometimes? You'll, you'll say, Justin, why don't you go and check that there's toilet paper in the toilet? Oh, it's a bit above me. A little bit above me. I wouldn't wait until you need to go to the toilet and there's no toilet paper there. The AV guys, I love you, Oaks. Sound guys, I love you guys. Imagine if these people weren't here. And we think that that is menial. Let me tell you something. Without those guys there, we wouldn't be able to do half the stuff that we do here. Let's honor them, love them, and prefer them, and thank them after the meeting. And I want to finish off with the last one. Be thankful for the local church. Romans 1 verses 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. Paul, in almost all of his letters, thanks God for the local churches. He gives thanks for their public confession of faith, their gifts, their spiritual gifts, their material gifts, their prayers, their love for one another, their partnering, their steadfastness, and their growth in their faith. And I want to say to you, we can give thanks in our private time, but we can also give thanks in our public moments for for what God is doing in and through the local church. And thank God for the people that are serving like they are. What a privilege. Blow wind into their sails because amazingly, can I, can I have license with you, um, Elmar? Last, last year, remember when we met for the very first time? Are you okay? I don't want to... Your story, you've got... Okay. Yeah, I'll buy you a cake afterwards. I thank God for Elmar. I'm going to share something now. When we transitioned this church almost two years ago, there was a point that Alma and Nadine fell away for about five weeks. Do you remember that? I remember I phoned you guys and I said, policeman, come back. And we had a journey. And I'll never forget, we stood in that corner and I was speaking to them. 
And uh, I, I just said to them, hey, man, we, we've missed you guys. And, and I remember one of the things that they had, um, there was some deep concerns that they had because of their personal life's journey and, and because of where they were at. And they said, well, we thought maybe you wouldn't want us to be a part of the church. I said, no, Jesus came for the sick. He came for the lost, the broken. And I said, that's why we, uh, we want to help you. They ended up getting married. They're coming very shortly up to getting their, ch their first child. But you know what the most incredible thing is? Do you know how many WhatsApps I've received from Alma? You can send me one today later. Hey? <laughs> Do you know how many WhatsApps I've received from Alma? He says, you know, Ants, sorry, I, mean, I just need to boast a little bit because it, this is important for me. Ants, thank you for leading the church the way that you do. Thank you for an awesome message. Thank you for just being so humble or vulnerable. It's capital H with humble. I just want you to know that. Just, I'm playing. I'm playing. But if I look at them, and I look at how their lives have been transformed and changed, I'll tell you something today. This has made it all worth it for us. You are an absolute delight as a couple. We absolutely love and adore you guys. And for me, this is what it's about. This is what it's about. Thank God for what he's doing in people's lives. I thank God. I look at Edward and Nadia, and I look at Steve and Shelley and some of the folk that are leading. You know that some of these folk that are leading comm groups today were not leading comm groups when we were a part of Dimble AM. They transitioned. In fact, some of them were quite scarce at comm groups. And then God transitions them, yeah. And God says, oh, by the way, I've got a little bit more for you. And... And what happens is God calls them into more. And I want to tell you something. Edward and Nadia and Steve and Shelley and some of the folk that are here are absolutely rocking the daisies because they've submitted their lives to God and are making their lives count. Wouldn't you want that for you as well? Thank God for what he's doing in your context. So we've looked around at everybody. And again, look around at everybody. Look at one another. We've got a family here from Brazil. We've got family from Paquetbach. It's beautiful. What a beautiful picture we have. And it's something that should leave us overwhelmed, that God would take all of us with our shortcomings, our frailties and our weaknesses, and bring us into a body and start to move and transform our lives. We are thankful for his kindness, his mercy, and his goodness. And he's busy changing us. It might not look great from the outside, but one thing I can tell you, what he's doing from the inside is going to be beautiful. It's going to be magnificent. Lord, we thank you for the wonder of the local church. Amen.